Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Coming up in our door. We'll be waiting for you. Why does this make sense? Because the Babadook knocks. <laughs> what if it was like, it's like a serious company with the Babadook? Oh, I would pay and money. Everyone's like, Woo, he's here. <laughs> it's like work sucked again. Everyone's like, oh. <laughs> All right, Lizzie. All right, Sam. Are you ready to get Baba shook? <laughs> I'm ready to get mommy issued. Let's go. Uh, before we get into the iconic Baba Duke, um, we just would like to thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Thanks to our Patreon members, and if any of you guys out there have the absolute desire and love to join our Patreon, we have a lot of cool shit going on this month for Spooktober, and we really appreciate the support. But if you can't do it, it's all good. It's all good, boo. I think there's a name in October, like there's a Spooktober equivalent that is queer. If you guys think of something, let us know. Gaytober? That seems too obvious. Yeah. Gaytober is not even good sounding. We were Halloweening this we, year. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll come back to that. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're <laughs> spitballing a few ideas. Um, so you're at home listener thinking, the Babadook, is this movie gay? <laughs> It's gay enough for us, right? So it should be gay enough for you. Okay, Lizzie, tell me why you think I'm talking about the Babadook today. Because the Babadook is a queer icon. Full stop. Period. Do you have any context for that feeling or is it like a gut feeling? It's like my spine, like in my bones. (laughs) I saw him on screen and said, that's a gay person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's the 12th foot acrylics for me it's the like full set (laughs) like whenever i get my nails done which is so rarely okay i fucking feel like the babadook i'm like coming around corners like this gripping doors (laughs) with the nails first (sighs) yeah i'm like spreading them out like this and i'm like going like this do you know more about about why babadook is considered a, a gay icon i do i do there is an origin to this so apparently whenever the babadook was on netflix uh, a couple years ago there was a brief period of time where the algorithm just shit itself and placed the babadook under lgbtq films and the internet wholeheartedly went with that and the Babadook is now a queer icon. We honor him on Pride and on Halloween, our two favorite times of year. Yeah. So I thought I was being a little funny guy by picking this movie because it, you know, like Lizzie said, was placed in the LGBT section of Netflix. But when I looked into it, I feel like this is an episode of You're Wrong About, no. but <laughs> it goes a bit deeper than that. You're <gasps> even the, this is, <laughs> even the Babadook has gay subtext. <laughs> everything i implore you if someone can send us a film that is like an actual straight film i'll be i'll be floored it's impossible yeah it doesn't exist i am thrilled (laughs) i am ecstatic i can't tell you the emotions i was feeling when i discovered how many layers this babadook subtext had but uh, so what you're thinking of like the babadook being sorted into the lgbt section of netflix so that moment happened in december of 2016 so the film came out in 2014 that moment of it being sorted there was 2016. Speculations on the Baba Duke's queerness began as early as like October of 2016. So someone at Netflix, some plant was like, 
this is how it should rightfully be sorted. So uh, there was a Tumblr user named Lanstagram who posted, whenever someone says the Babadook isn't openly gay, it's like, question mark, question mark. Did you even watch the movie? Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> Have you watched this film? <laughs> that that post received over 100,000 interactions. And later the user <laughs> doubled down saying, a movie about a gay man who just wants to live his life in a small Australian suburb. It may be just a movie to you, but to the LGBT community, the Babadook is a symbol of our journey. I've seen myself in the Babadook, honestly. So I'm in the chick. Like, what came first, chicken or the egg? I thought that, you know, the Babadook was accidentally sorted into the LGBT section, and maybe that's why people consider him an icon. It was kind of like a memed fluke. But it seemed like these musings were, like, obviously comical in nature, but it started before that even occurred, and... In December of 2016, an Instagram user posted a photo of the Babadook in the gay section of Netflix, and uh, the caption reads, so proud that Netflix recognizes the Babadook as gay representation. (laughs) But it's just a screenshot, so no one really knows if it was actually sorted there. That's so funny because I always assumed it was a mistake, but my assumptions make an ass of you and me. That's what my first boss used to tell me. Never assume. (laughs) At Chick-fil-A? You gonna sell me out right here, right now, on air? You were a child. You didn't know any better. Girl, I would sling that chicken hot and fresh. My pleasure if I had to right that now in this moment in my life. That is a boss from Chick-fil-A would say. But so Netflix has neither confirmed or denied whether or not this has happened. They so, have no reason to comment. Exactly. So it could just be this Tumblr discourse saying the Babadook is gay and then someone photoshopped it or the Tumblr discourse saying the Babadook is gay somehow wormed its way into Netflix and they were like, that's a gay movie and then sorted it through. Already, we could just end the episode right here. We're done. Good night, everyone. <laughs> That's enough subtext for y'all. I'm I'm tickled. Uh, um, a writer for the Los Angeles Times said, The Babadook is creative and a distinctive dresser. Instead of living in a proverbial closet, he lives in a literal basement. He exists, <laughs> no. <laughs> he exists in a half-acknowledged state by other people in the house. Their family is afraid of what he is but finds a way to accept him over time. Like, what more do you need? I'm so sorry. <laughs> if any horror villain is going to be queer-coded, it's going to be the Babadook. It's going to be this guy. You're yeah. telling me the Babadook is a heterosexual being? He's a fancy little He's a thing. fancy man wearing a hat. He yeah. loves books. He's sly. He's smart. We've got the nails. We've got the top hat. Yes. The eyes. The presence. Yeah. The drama. The drama. The and dramatics. Yeah. If I was a child and like I had agency of the clothes that I wore, <laughs> I would be dressed like the Babadook. A moment of silence for what the fuck you just said. I'm just going to roll right past it. We we don't have time to... Next All talking right. point. <laughs> so that's a little bit about the subtext of the Babadook. I'm sorry your day is happening like this. <laughs> you press play. You were fully accountable. Um, so like I said, the film was released in 2014. It was written and directed by Jennifer Kent, and this is her directorial debut. <gasps> no shit. Yeah. Incredible. When I reach it like that... It's like the opposite of like, Oprah was 28 when she started her show. You still yeah. have time. It's like, it's like you don't have time. It's like, you're done. Sorry. You need to retire. Give You'll up never now. get there. <laughs> Give up now. No, but seriously, good for her. A yeah. fucking fantastic first feature. It, I have so many questions, by the way. Like, you're about to be inundated with all the question marks. I Like, I, I like to take little notes when I watch Sam's movies just so, like, I don't forget, you know, my talking points as I'm watching it. I looked at my page of notes. 
literally everything was a question. <laughs> and, and no statements. Just Top questions. Hat. Magician? Gay? <laughs> Gay? Nails? <laughs> Who? You better hit me with all those questions. But yeah, like you were saying, Jennifer Kent, incredible, incredible job. It, this was actually based off of a short film that she directed in 2005 called Monster with like similar storylines. Mm. She calls that short film The Baby Babadook. Um, <laughs> but mm. it was created after uh, she had a discussion with a friend whose child was terrified of this monster in their home. And it just got her thinking like, what if that monster was real? Wait, is she an Australian woman? She's Australian. Mm-hmm. Good for her. The the director, Jennifer Kent, went to school with the the lead star, mm. Ezzie Davis, and um, they've been friends for like an eternity. And so she knew that when she made this feature that she wanted to cast her in it. And also Kent was extremely sensitive about the child actor, Noah mm. Wiseman, and she wanted to be very certain that he wasn't going to, I guess, um, internalize or or hold on to the subject matter of this film. So she kind of told him a very happy child version of the film. And huh. he's actually never in the scene with Ezzie Davis as she's abusing him. It's like just a full-grown actor, like sat on their knees. That's who Ezzie Davis is having these like terrible confrontations with. Okay. Um, well, you've answered one of my questions. <laughs> this was literally one of my questions. I was like, like, do they have a way of dealing with like, how do you not mistreat this child for art? Mm-hmm. You know, the actual actor. And I'm I'm very relieved to hear because it's got, whenever I got yelled at by an adult in my life, like it was traumatizing enough for me, a good child to be yelled at by my mom. But if I was yelled at by an, a stranger, yeah, literally traumatizing. Yeah. I mean, she was very, very particular. Um, about Noah Wiseman, who plays Samuel, she said, I didn't want to destroy a childhood to make this film. Yeah, great. He's Super reasonable. Tiny little kid. He did fantastic, by the way. Both of these actors did a so fabulous job. Such, such a great job. So without further ado, let's get Baba Shook. This monster thing has got to stop. You can't get rid of the Baba Dog. You ready to go? I am fucking terrified. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm ready to go. <laughs> We've mentioned this a few times on the pod, but Lizzie is new to enjoying horror films as an adult, and I feel kind of bad for making you do this. I'm just a baby. Okay, a little backstory. <laughs> I waited until the last literal second to watch The Babadook because my partner's been working late, so I had no one to watch it with me, and I was not about to watch this movie at home by myself. Are you insane? No. Which I ended up doing, but at 11 a.m. this morning. So uh, I was still fucking terrified, but it was manageable. Yeah, that's like the cheat code if you have to watch a scary movie right at the beginning of the day. That's where you get it done. Yeah. I'm sorry. I made you do this. My beautiful fiance offered to watch it with me, not knowing what she was saying. And I was like, you sweet thing. I'm not going to let you do this. She's terrified of a scary movie. So, yeah. um, but I've seen this movie before. Yeah. When did, like, tell me about that, your first time seeing this. <laughs> so, my first time seeing this was when it came out in theaters. It was on a second date with someone that I did not go on a third date on. Whew. This is, okay. Whoever said going to see a scary movie on a date is a 
fucking liar and they're playing traps for you, they are not in your best interest. I like watching scary movies on dates. Why? Okay, what about this movie? Yeah, no, this doesn't elicit the same, like, oh, you know, scream. This is like birth control meets terror nightmares meets bed is the scariest place you've ever been. This is not sexy. This is not scream. No, I would walk out of there and be like, don't touch me. No, that's really what happened. (laughs) And the theater we were at is like not like a regular theater. It's like an art house cinema. So it was just like a bunch of old crusty couches and like a warehouse space (laughs) cinema. I feel like that's even, that's a scarier environment too. I was so scared. (laughs) I think this was the second movie I'd ever, the second scary movie I'd ever seen in theaters. Yeah. I remember when I watched this film and I had just moved into like, not even the equivalent of the suburbs. It was like a huge house, completely isolated, huge yard. And I got out of my car to get into my house. I remember being like, feeling like you're running from Mike Myers, like getting the key in the door and like getting inside. And even getting inside isn't a relief because the house is scary. That's what one of the things that makes this movie so effective is that it makes your bedroom and your bed the absolute scariest places you can go. And I think that is fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So the synopsis for you listeners is a single mother and her child fall deep into a well of paranoia when an eerie children's book titled Mr. Babadook manifests in their home. I'm sorry. Also, calling yourself Mr. Babadook is really gay. That's that's kind of like a top hat, like a yeah. m'lady, but like in, in the gayest way possible. Yeah. Mr. Babadook is gay. Mr. Babadook sounds like the gay seven-year-old man who lives on your corner that mm-hmm. you see walking his little Yorkie every mm-hmm. morning, and you're like, oh, that's Mr. Babadook. Mr. Babadook. <laughs> Hi. He's like, Hi, honey. How are you? He's like, Hey, babe. Just chilly out. <laughs> um. So let's get into this plot. So we we open on um, what we see is a car accident where our main character, who's played, like I said, by Essie Davis, whose name is Amelia, is being driven by her husband. We realize very quickly that it is a dream, and she's awoken by her six-year-old son, Samuel, who's played by Noah Wiseman. And we see very quickly that he's a sweet kid who loves her very much, but he does kind of say these things that are incredibly off-putting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he hugs her so tight that she loses her breath. And, you know, she honestly looks frightened to be around this child as well. It's giving kind of the good son, mm-hmm. Macaulay Culkin, is my kid a murderer? <laughs> <laughs> my kid is creepy. Help. Yeah. God, what do you do if you're born or if you give birth to just like a creepy fucking kid? Lizzie and I watched The Orphan, and we're not going to go too much into that, but that kid was fucking creepy. And I just kept thinking, like, it's still a kid. Like, you could knock it over pretty easily, you know? And that kid particularly, no. But in general, <laughs> yes. Okay, so why why are kids so scary? Like, why is that such a horror movie thing? Yeah, I think the idea is that the thing that we can be sure of as, like, a species is that children are innocent and they don't mean any ill intent. So the idea of... This being is so evil that even as a child, it wants to kill, you know? That's a fucking scary thought. Yeah, a kid who has, like, adult-like moods and tendencies is what makes those movies so scary. There's, I mean, I could list, like, ten movies off the dome where the kids are evil. Fucking Exorcist. The Shining. The Omen. The Shining. Rosemary's Baby to an extent. I mean, I guess, yeah, at the very end. And this film as well. I mean, scary kids are fucking, that's even scarier than scary than a scary adult, obviously. I'm kind of over it. Can we, like, make something else scary? What, like dogs? <laughs> pets. That's what I was going to think. Because Pet Cemetery was a fail. I was like, oh, it's not actually about, like, scary pets. It's about a scary kid. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Get over it. 
Kids are just on their iPads. (laughs) Yeah, Stephen King, you started this. Uh, So in the morning while Amelia sleeps, we can see that Samuel is crafting makeshift weapons. A super creepy thing to do. Normal. Mm -hmm. She drops Samuel off at school and goes to work. She works as an aide in an elderly care facility. While she's at work, she gets a call from Samuel's school saying that he's brought a homemade gun of sorts. Uh, So she goes to the school to pick him up and she gets in a heated discussion with uh, the administrators at the school who at one point referenced Samuel as the boy. Uh, She says his name is Samuel and you obviously aren't equipped to to look after him. So she pulls Samuel from the school and takes him home. We do get to see them at a supermarket very quickly and Samuel tells a stranger that his dad was killed on the way to the hospital right before he was born. He says it very quickly like... Well, that's what kids are though. Like kids don't see the... They don't know what's normal and not normal yet. And yeah. it's it's the case. And an interesting, like, backstory. So now we know that, unfortunately, Amelia's husband and Samuel's father passed away before he was born, meaning that his birthday and his father's death share the same anniversary. And fucking Amelia looks ragged. Like, she's obviously clearly a stunning woman, but she just looks so exhausted. And that is my greatest fear from, like, out of becoming a mother not not looking ragged. i look ragged I all like, the time that's not my fear that's your greatest fear <laughs> no Maybe it, it's not that bad is to just be becoming a mother and realizing it's not exactly what you want it to be also realizing it's a lifetime commitment for for two separate individuals it's not something you can nope out of um, is like a huge fear. Oh, that's so creepy. Well, that's like part of the layer of the Babadook, I think, is yeah. that like it's this fear of motherhood and this lack of control and empowerment and lack of identity. Like she's constantly trying to find the balance of like, okay, how far can I be away from my son before I'm a bad mom? Basically. Yeah. yeah. And um, we'll see more of this like maternal guilt that she is saddled with from society and that she places on herself and that people around her place on her. Uh, Speaking of which, we meet her sister, Claire. Claire. Uh, Claire. That's the only reason I remember (laughs) this character's name because of Fleabag. I'm like, if you have a sister, her name is Claire. Her name's Claire. (laughs) She's a little unpleasant, but she's fine. Yeah. She's, yeah, generally she's just fine. So Amelia's sister, Claire, has her own child named Ruby and they go to a, a playground and Claire tells Amelia that Ruby no longer wants to share her party with Samuel. And Amelia obviously looks kind of taken aback and disappointed by this, but I'm on Ruby's side. I wouldn't want to share a birthday with this kid. Okay, so when I was growing up, my brother's birthday was in August and my birthday was in December. And because my birthday was in December, I could never really have a party because it was too close to Christmas and we were still in school. So it was never any fun. And plus it was cold. What the fuck are we going to do in December? So I would often just have my birthday in August with my brother and we would share a birthday. And it was like like trying to find a theme between me and my brother who is six years younger than me and has absolutely dissimilar <laughs> interests was very difficult. I think the most successful theme we found was bugs. <laughs> I had a bug theme party once. Not like bugs the movie, but like just insects. You're like yeah. 12 or you're like 14 having a Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> that's so funny. Like Transformers. December and August, that's like a full quarter difference. Like that's not nowhere near close enough for it to be reasonably a joint birthday party. But people will go to a birthday party with a bounce house in August. They will not do that in December. That's fair. That's fair. I'm so sorry. Lizzie <laughs> okay. bugs. I don't know how we got here. I just <laughs> derailed that. Uh, well, 
Ruby doesn't want to have a bug party with Samuel anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and during this whole conversation, Samuel is just like screaming and terrorizing everyone at the park. And when we look back to him, he's stood on top of the swing set and says, look at me, which I only mention here because there's a lot of references in this film that I don't know are intentional. They do a lot of references to film and to video games and their sound effects. And like I said, films that you see on TV, classic um, black and white features. But this reminded me of The Omen. There's a scene in The Omen. It's like the iconic scene where Damien, who plays the young boy in The Omen, is having a birthday party and one of the workers, or I think it might even be his nanny, I'm not, I don't recall exactly, they're all having a party and they look up and she says, Damien, and she stood atop of a building and she says, it's all for you, and then jumps off and kills herself. And he stood there and he, he, he doesn't even look scared. He's like, yeah, it's all for me. He's the fucking devil. I mean, spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is that the one with Kristen Stewart in it? That's the messengers. Sorry. Are you being fucking for real with me? I have seen like four horror movies. Be for real with me right now. I can only be real. Is that the one with Kristen Stewart? The Omen? Fuck off. But also, (laughs) trying to get back on a relevant point, the Babadook does that as well. He holds his little full set out, and that's like his standard posture <laughs> it was scarecrow so but that was a weird moment you're right it was definitely spooky and i thought it could have been a reference but back at home before they go to sleep uh amelia has to check all the cupboards and closets for monsters because samuel already has a fixation and is terrified of monsters and he requests that she read him a book that she's never seen before entitled mr babadook Dun. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's great. Maybe Maybe it's a Babadook. A razzle dazzle. (laughs) Just a little. Um, She opens the book and begins reading it. And it reads whether it's in a word or in a look. You can't get rid of the Babadook. Super creepy. So I'm going to show you that clip now. So in this scene, Amelia is reading the book to Samuel and stops reading the words at one point. So that's when you'll be hearing my voice. If it's in a word or it's in a look, you can't get rid of the Babadook. If you're a really clever one and you know what it is to see, then you can make friends with a special one, a friend of you and me. His name is Mr. Babadook, and this is his book. A rumbling sound, then three sharp knocks. Ba-ba-ba-duk-duk-duk. That's when you'll know he's around. You'll see him if you look. Ba-ba-ba-duk-duk-duk. We might read another one tonight, eh? But you said I could choose. This is what he wears on top. He's funny, don't you think? See him in your room at night. And you won't sleep a wink. Does it hurt the boy? I'll soon take off my funny disguise. Take heed of what you've read. And once you see what's underneath, you're going to wish you were dead. How sweet were they, son? Telling of the happiness and loveliness that lay at the bottom of the ocean. Super chill. The most chill thing I've ever read. So yeah, in this scene, 
it's like good night story time gone wrong. But <laughs> Amelia reads a book that her son has selected off the shelf. It's this creepy red book with like black and white pencil drawings on the inside and basically tells the tale, foreboding tale of the Babadook. Once you've seen him, he's funny on the outside, but underneath he's horrifying. Like it's it's so creepy. It's so like cryptic. Like if it's in a word or it's in a look. I think what that means is whether it's in a word, whether it's in a look, whether it's in a breeze, whether it's in a song, it's everywhere. Like it's embedded. Mm. Like once it's once the Babadook is there, it's there. Yeah. And the presence of this book, you know, is a, a signifier that it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. The art department, I think, Ooh. on this film did an astounding job because and also is the sound department. The Babadook's voice is very distinct, and I think that is the scariest part for me. And we'll, we'll hear that later, so we'll talk about it. Well, every sound in this film is so spot on, and it seems to me like a lot of it is um, foley, like added after the fact. So there's like this deadly silence in the room with these very specific sounds, even like the hands on paper and the pulling and hands on doorknobs and like these very simple noises that just really put you on edge because you don't really hear much else in the world. There isn't like cars going by outside. There isn't like a radio or people laughing on the street. Like it is dead silence. Yeah, you're so right. It's almost like they're in this like vacuum and they're very isolated. Um, So after this, Samuel obviously can't fucking handle it and goes crazy. (laughs) Uh, Amelia eventually gets him to sleep. And then once she does so, she looks at the book again, and there's a few pages at the end as she thumbs through that are completely blank. Mm -hmm. And she disregards this book, even though she thinks it's pretty creepy and hides it on top of uh, armoire. Later at work, uh, Amelia's coworker tells her that she can go home and that they will cover for her because she looks really fucking tired. She obviously didn't sleep. And instead of going home, Amelia goes to the mall and just like walks around and Mm -hmm. eats an ice cream. And I think that this is what you were talking about earlier, where she wants to get as far away from Samuel as she can without feeling guilty mm-hmm. about not being a quote unquote good mom. So you, you get this theme of like this maternal guilt that women are saddled with that if you have a job, you're a bad mom. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a job, you're a bad mom. You know, there's... Yeah. If you're dating no, someone, you're a bad mom. Mm-hmm. If you haven't found someone to marry yet, you're a bad mom. Yeah. If you're if you haven't given your son a father, you're a bad mom. There's no way to win yeah. being a mother. And, like, all these little decisions that she's made that seem fine by the audience, like, as soon as someone else catches wind of them, they all of a sudden sound like the worst thing in the world. Like, lying to her work to say that Samuel was sick when really they just overslept because they had a terrible, terrifying night. And then her coworker finding out and just being like, well, that's probably the last piece of kindness he offered her after that. Yeah. There's so much judgment like imbued in every interaction she has with any other person other than Samuel. I mean, even with Samuel, it's, there's a complex relationship there. But if she's talking to anyone else aside from her lovely neighbor, Miss Roach, mm-hmm. um, there are people casting a lot, a lot of guilt and judgment on Amelia. I, I feel really bad for her. Oh my God. Me too. She's just enjoying her time. She probably went to like fucking Baskin Robbins or something. And she looks at her phone and there's 10 missed calls from her sister, Claire. Apparently, while Samuel was visiting Claire and Ruby, he frightened Ruby by telling her about the Babadook and apparently like speaking to him, um, even though no one was there. Whew. No, thank you. <laughs> I hate when kids speak to things that aren't there. <laughs> no, thank you. I've never seen a kid do that. That would scare the absolute shit out of me. My dog barks at nothing. 
all the time. She'll like stare at this point on the wall and just bark. And I'm like, time to move. I'm like, oh, please be chill. Please be like a chill ghost. <laughs> please be like a pug ghost or something. Moving is such a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> pug ghost. At home, Amelia catches Samuel in the basement with his father's belongings. She gets mad because she doesn't want him down there touching her late husband's things. And Samuel says, he's my father. You don't own him. And like storms upstairs. Uh, like this is when I start to get the sense that this kid is kind of a little more... Uh, mature or I don't know if mature is the right world but he knows more of what's going on than you would expect him to like he figures out the rules of the Babadook before anyone before she does yeah it's that thing that we you know we've talked about hocus pocus about like children's energy being like potent or what Mm -hmm. have you but um, typically in horror films children are the first people to catch on to the the existence of these these other entities like the poltergeist, you know, or yeah. it especially. Like kids can see what adults are too busy to mm-hmm. or or care to or too, you know, in their own worlds about. So this is, I think, another case of that. And um, while cleaning up Samuel's mess in the basement, Amelia sees a suit hung on the corner and gets frightened. I mean, it does kind of look like the Babadook. It's not his suit, but like you, we can see now that she is getting frightened. It's yeah. not just something that Samuel's dealing with. And... As she goes upstairs, Amelia finds a photo of her and her husband vandalized. It's like X's through all the f- eyes and devil horns and mustaches in a childlike way. But Samuel is adamant that he didn't do it and believes it's a Babadook. He like grabs his weapons. And when Amelia tries to take those like weird little weapons away from him, he pushes her to the floor and yells, do you want to die? This and this scene like hit me in a different way than I think it did the first time. I was like, listen to this kid. This kid is kind of doing this valiant thing like he knows the truth and he's standing up to his own mother to do it I, that scene hit me pretty hard i was like yeah listen to the kid yeah at first my first watch not knowing how the movie was going to take its course and yeah. being really annoyed with samuel i'm like oh my god he's going to kill you he's like made all these weapons the second watch i'm just like oh fuck girl you should be scared yeah you should be scared he's saying the truth but i mean there's this beautiful play of like what's real what isn't what is samuel just being a kid and what's like is there a being in the house? You know, we can't see it. Or is this just some, like, trauma response of Samuel? Like, we don't know. Yeah. And this film does a good job of, like, really leaning into the fact that it's, like, a monster movie at heart. Yeah, it, it plays with, like, supernatural and psychological at the same time, hand in hand in a way that I think is really, it feels effortless, but is very intentional. And that night, Amelia hears a loud noise from Samuel's room, and she enters to find the armoire had fallen over and the book is back on the shelf. Samuel screaming, don't let it in, don't let it in, don't let it in. No, thank you. Nor. I would go to a hotel. I mean, they. Claire, her sister, mentions that she hard, Amelia hardly has money to, like, pay her own bills. So I, I don't know. think that, like, going to a hotel is, like, a thing that they can do. <sighs> and this woman is tired. Yeah. She's fucking tired. I mean, so Amelia destroys the book and puts it in the trash. Uh, the next day at Ruby's non-bug birthday party, uh... <laughs> Claire's friend makes like a condescending remark about Amelia losing her husband. Do you remember that scene? Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm sure you have so much to talk about with the under, you know, underprivileged women. I was like, yeah, you stand up to her. Fucking yeah. So like we see that Amelia, who is usually very good natured, like her coworker at work says like some misogynistic sexist shit to her and she lets it like roll off her back. So we see that her character is really shifting. Like Mm -hmm. she's at a precipice and she's like basically about to fall off 
And uh, yeah, she says, that's a real tragedy. How do you cope? You must have so much to talk about with those poor disadvantaged women. Uh, <laughs> such a fucking read. I know. It's such a read. I, I honestly was behind it. That's probably my favorite scene in the movie. I was like, you get her. Fucking get her. Outside, Claire tells Amelia that she can't stand being around Samuel. And Amelia is initially very upset, clearly, with Claire saying this. And then Claire says, I think you feel the same way, too. Don't read me, Claire. What do you know about me? Your little child's a piece of shit, too. I think that is why Amelia is so defensive when the, like, school administrators are having a problem with Samuel and then Claire is having a problem with Samuel is because she does have those thoughts. She has that guilt of, like, yeah, I don't really want to spend time with him if I can choose not to. I don't want to be around my kids. What does that mean? Yeah. (laughs) He's scary. Yeah. Um, while this is happening, Ruby tells Samuel in a treehouse that he's not good enough to have a dad and says, your mom doesn't even want you, uh, which is reason enough for me to shove someone out of a treehouse. And I guess Samuel feels the same and pushes Ruby out and she breaks her nose. Hmm. Just kidding. Sorry. That's awful. No, She's you shouldn't kid. do that. She's fine. Are kids really that mean to each other? Holy shit. I feel like it's possible. I don't know. Australia is a different place and yes, down under. <laughs> it's down much under. meaner to each other. That's <laughs> how they socialize down under. <laughs> On the car ride home, Amelia screams at Samuel, why can't we just be normal? There is no Babadook. And Samuel screams at her to get out of the car, get out, get out, get out, and then looks as if he's been possessed. He's like taken over by something. So they rush him to the hospital and the doctor there says that Samuel should see a psychiatrist and Amelia ask the doctor for sedatives, basically just to help him sleep because they haven't slept in weeks. This is another one of those like judgment moments where like it's clear that no one thinks like, how could you sedate your child? That's awful. And it's like, well, have you been sleeping well at night? Yeah, I thought so. If you don't get sleep, all of this gets much, much worse. I can't go to work. He can't go to school. Everything sucks. So I was totally with her to be like, yeah, let's let's all sleep. Let's all get sedated. <laughs> yeah, you're so – I mean, he, even the doctor is like side-eyeing her this whole conversation and says most mothers aren't too keen on this unless it's really bad. And she says it's really bad. He literally had a seizure seeing a monster and I'm weeping. I haven't slept in a week. Like how much fucking worse does it need to get? Yeah, I'm <laughs> – Jesus. I'm surprised. I expected her to start taking these pills for herself Mm -hmm. as well, but that didn't happen. I was waiting for that because I was like, I fucking need to sleep too, bitch. Like, take some. But um, they get a full night's rest after he's been sedated. And Amelia is finally feeling back to normal. She goes downstairs and hears a knock at the door. Three knocks to be exact. Mm -hmm. And when she answers, no one is there. Again, there's the knock, this time more sinister. It's like, boom, boom, boom. And she opens the door and she finds the book again. No. No. I wouldn't pick it up. I'd be like, that's the book. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like good on like Zillow.com. Hmm, I wonder how much my house will go for. <laughs> when she uh, looks through the book, she sees that it's been pieced back together. And now the previously blank pages read, I'll wager with you. I'll make you a bet. The more you deny, the stronger I get. And we see that the illustrations now include depictions of Amelia being terrorized by the Babadook. You start to change when I get in, the Babadook growing right under your skin. Come see what's underneath. And now the illustrations show Amelia strangling their dog. No! This poor fucking dog. And then eventually strangling Samuel until she finally takes a knife and slits her throat. Yay. 
What do you do in this case? Like, what would you actually do? Also, like, being a mother with no support system, all the things you would do are kind of removed from you. Yeah. Because I would get all my shit, go in a car and drive away. Mm-hmm. But the kid has to go to school mm-hmm. and you don't have money because you're taking care of the kid. So being a mom is hard. <laughs> okay. I have a question. You know how to know if the director, Jennifer Kent, is a mother? I don't believe that she is. Interesting. Because it seems like the most honest portrayal. I mean, obviously, this is heightened in a million ways, but the guilt and the tiredness and all of that is something I've seen in the eyes of some of my friends with kids and I'm like I fucking feel you I'm not in a rush to feel that yeah it it seemed like some audiences were divided where mothers thought like this is so cruel and macabre that you would you know depict motherhood in this way and then you have the other side of the coin where mothers were going up to Jennifer Kent and saying like thank you so much nobody wants to talk about how hard it is to be a mother so I honestly think that this is a brave portrayal. It's not something you see very often. And when you do see it, it's like Mommy Dearest, where the mom yeah. is a fucking sociopath, yeah. not a normal person who's having normal issues. So I think I think it's very great. I think it's very well done. Yeah, I like the idea of like the Babadook being kind of outside of Amelia, like this thing that comes in and inhabits her. Like she is not inherently feeling all of these things. It kind of shows... All these doubts and fears and whatever else is shoved into the Babadook, like, taking over her and her having to quell it and not, like, that she is those things. Yeah, she's worked so hard to compartmentalize it. What she's actually done is externalized it beyond herself. Yeah. And now it's something that's, like, haunting her. Ugh, so good. It's really good. So after she sees the depictions of herself killing Samuel in this book and slitting her throat, she burns the book And, you know, her hands are all covered in the charcoal that the book is illustrated with. And while she's burning the book, the phone rings and Amelia thinks it's her sister Claire and answers, but she hears a voice saying, Baba, duke, duke, duke. And forgive me if I'm wrong, but this is like the first time some like scary monster shit happens, right? Yeah, this is the first time that the fear is no longer plausibly imagination. It's like a tangible thing that she's experiencing. So she's fucking shooketh. I mean, before the scene, she tells her sister, like, I think someone's stalking me because, you know, this book showed up at my house, but this is the first real, like, oh, whatever's doing this is malicious. Yeah. This is like an actual being thing that is, that can speak to me. It's got like fingers and it can use a phone. (laughs) It's got fingernails. Oh my God. So at the police station, Amelia... Oh my God, wait, I'm just like, I just got this image of the Babadook like trying to dial (laughs) and like being like, fuck, and having to like go again. He's got the phone book. He's like flipping through pages with his nails. He's like, Amelia (laughs) Bedelia. Okay, let's try this one. And and it's like, Amelia's deli. And he's like, sorry, wrong wrong number. (laughs) Puts it on speaker. Oh, fuck, I muted it. (laughs) Babadook. Okay, that's it. That's all I got. That's that's, <laughs> that's the scene. Uh, so Amelia goes to the police station to ask for help, um, and they dismiss her pretty quickly. And <gasps> you know because men Frustrating. don't understand women who are feeling emotions. <laughs> yeah, that's clearly what this scene says. It's awful. And notably, um, Amelia's hands, like I mentioned, were covered with the charcoal that this book is illustrated with. So she's gray, like 
kind of up her forearm, up until her shirt. And as she's talking to this police officer, he's gray in the face, like <gasps> smudged dark gray in the eyes. And it's kind of like Sweeney Todd, kind of like a, oh. a look of like um, gray. And we'll see that theme happen more. Like when, when she's becoming overtaken by the Babadook, it right. kind of covers her more fully. So that's like an indicator that he's around and being creepy. I didn't clock that. That's great. I'm like rewatching the second half of the movie in my head. I'm like, <gasps> you're going to have to watch it again. <laughs> oh, I'm never watching this again. By the way, this is, I'm done. So at home, Amelia finds a hole in their wall that's full of roaches. And as she's cleaning it up, she looks into her neighbor, Mrs. Roach's beautiful home and sees her drinking tea and watching TV. And behind her is the Babadook. I thought Miss Roach was going to die. Me too. I was really grateful she did not. She didn't deserve that. I was worried about the dog. I was worried about Miss Roach. And then eventually I was just worried about Miss Roach. I'm worried about everybody. That night, Amelia hears noises again and then her bedroom door opens. Nope. What appears to be the Babadook is lingering behind the door with its like hands and nails and creepy shit. Um, so Amelia rushes under the covers and hears Babadook. When she peeks out, she sees the Babadook on the ceiling and momentarily she's lifted from the bed and then like dropped very quickly. She immediately like turns all the lights off and takes Samuel downstairs. <sighs> Samuel tells Amelia that they shouldn't stay the night at their house that night. Good idea. Amelia at this point is like curled in bed in the fetal position, hugging some of her husband Oscar's things. Eventually she falls asleep. It's it's hard to figure out mm -hmm. when she's sleeping or not. It seems like more of like a comatose state where she's not really resting. But Amelia awakens hearing a scary noise that sounds like it says there's someone in the house. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah. What was, was that like a warning? It was like a long distorted, it wasn't exactly the Babadook's voice. Right. But it was like... I kind of thought maybe it was her husband's ghost or something. It just added to the general confusion and terror of the situation. But I was curious, like, what's the motivation behind that? It, it scared the shit out of me. Well, she goes downstairs to find Samuel on the phone. And he's on the phone with Miss Roach. And he's told her there's someone in the house. Mm. So maybe she's heard him say that. Oh, but it's, like, distorted in this, like, scary mind voice mm -hmm. kind of state. Oh, that's a good... Because she's, like, floating in and out of consciousness and, like... She doesn't really have her feet planted in reality. Yeah. Um, at this point, Amelia goes full mommy dearest <laughs> and fucking grabs a knife and severs the phone line. Um, when Samuel mentions the Babadook, Amelia brandishes the knife at him in a really spooky way. So she goes downstairs to sit in front of the TV in a state of like sleeping, non-sleeping. And um, it seems like she's watching TV and we get this clip. Police say the woman used a kitchen knife to stab her son. His body was found in their basement. The woman later attacked officers with the knife. They drew their guns and shot her to death. Little is known about the tragedy, but neighbors say the boy was celebrating his birthday today. He had just turned seven. Do you want to describe that, Lizzie? Oh. Uh... Yes, Amelia is sitting in front of the TV. She looks tired as fuck, just like trying to keep her eyes open. She's flipping through the channels. She sees like creepy bugs on National Geographic infomercials. And she eventually lands on a news report about uh, a woman <laughs> murdering her seven-year-old son on his birthday. Um, and she sees herself in the window of the news footage of the house smiling into the camera. Um, I will have to say it's a fucking American news anchor. <laughs> 
Why? Why is it an American news anchor? I have no, I actually never, that never registered for me that it was an American person. But it, this is singularly the most terrifying scene for me. Oh, really? Yeah. This is the one that like gives me chill bumps. Because of the smile or the whole context of it or? The idea that like her being in the state that she's been forced into now, she doesn't have control of herself anymore. She's like taking a knife to her child in the scene just previous to this. So watching this pass, it's like that scene in Get Out where he drops down oh. and he can't, he has no... Literally terrifying. Yeah, it's giving me that same feeling. And the newscast, you see the house that this body bag's being dragged out of, which is presumed to be her because the police shot her to death, is coming out of her house. And then she sat in that window very far away. And it's, for me, the most scary scene. That'll be a no for me. (laughs) That's funny because I thought this scene was a little on the nose. And I was like, okay, I see where this is going. She's afraid she's going to stab her child and then herself die. (laughs) But... And then there's a fucking American news anchor. Just an oversight. (laughs) That really took Lizzie out of it. Um, So at this point, the lights go out and she can't find Samuel. She almost like awakens in that moment and he's behind her and he is urging her to wake up, even though it seems like he is sleepwalking. And he walks into the basement and she follows. In the basement, she finds her husband, Oscar, alive. And he's pretty hot. Mm Mm-hmm. Painting a picture for the listeners. <laughs> Imagine just a hot husband type. Uh, she looks so relieved to see him. It's like the only, I mean, she's been exhausted this whole film, but it seems like the only time she's like taken a load off. I know. She sees him and they hug. Oh God. And she's like crying and he's like caressing her. And he says, we can be together. Oh, and they're just like hugging and soft. And he says, you just need to bring me the boy. The boy. And so she, the boy. she hears that and she takes a step back. And we see that Oscar is like shrouded in darkness yeah, now. Yeah, his eyes. Yeah, I did. Oh, that was scary. Ooh, he said, you can bring me the boy. You can bring, bring me, me the boy. boy. You can bring me the boy. Fuck no. That's so scary. Okay, so we're getting a whole another layer of the Babadook here now. So it's obviously tied to like the grief for husband, blah, 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 whatever. But why the boy? Like it's this identityless reference again used by the educators in the very beginning. That, like, for some reason puts her on edge. And, like, why would the Babadook want the boy? Well, the idea, to, this is my understanding and take on this, but her trauma and the guilt that she feels is also wrapped in this hatred that she's pushed down for Samuel. If I could just get rid of him, mm-hmm. if he's just not around, then maybe my life could be better. The yeah. moment that he was born, like literally as soon as he was entering the world, my whole life fell apart. Yeah. So the idea I believe is that like if she just kills him, then her and Oscar can be together and everything will be fine. Yeah. You can bring me the boy. Bring me the boy. That shit's so creepy to me. So this scene scared the absolute shit out of me. Lee, what is did this scene really scary? Oh yeah. There's I was kind of talking to Lizzie before we recorded, but this movie does something weird where and really impressive where it's like very terrifying to me, but can also make me like cry too. It's yeah. like super sad. Yeah. Not a lot of movies do that. Yeah, it's either one or the other, but this one is really like it is really fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, the emotion and drama behind it is equally matched by the terror of what you're seeing and hearing. Cuz I I mean, we'll get there, but I was crying at the end like just as much as I was feeling scared. Yeah. It's really effective. So Amelia leaves the basement 
and is chased upstairs by the Babadook and she runs into a room and hides by the fireplace and we see the gay little top hat fall down. To the <laughs> and it's encroaching on her and she assures herself that it isn't real. And in like a flash, we see that she sat in front of the TV. Um, at this point, she's like in a frenzied state. She's like manic and scratching yeah. and kind of buzzing around in place. And the dog starts barking at her and she picks it up and breaks it. Pugsy, no. I actually, it's a shih tzu. I don't really care. It's like a, it's one of those white crusty dogs. Yeah, with the eye crust and the nose crust. Like a something poo. <laughs> a malin poo. A summer poo. <laughs> so she kills this dog, rest in peace. And then she pulls a tooth out of her mouth and looks so fucking crazy. Um, okay, so a tooth is like a very symbolic thing. Let's go. If let's you... In dreams, if you have, because I've had dreams before where like your tooth are falling out or you're going to the dentist to get a tooth out, it's kind of like a loss of control, like a loss of choice um, because your teeth are the only bones in your body that you can see. So it's kind of like revealing parts of yourself and not having choice for that being revealed. Mm. So it's like things being ripped out of you. Yeah, it's also just like very, very uncomfortable. But it seemed like deliberate to me because I've had dreams like that and felt out of control in my life. and. Bitch, just bitch is not in control. No, no, no. Yeah, it's giving me Black Swan where she's like pulling her nails out, pulling like she's like hurting herself in a way that is terrifying because, you know, in the Black Swan, she obviously wants to look beautiful because she's a ballerina. But in this movie, it's just more of like a, oh, she's lost. She's id right now. Yeah, id. She's completely animalistic. And she chases Samuel upstairs and he locks himself in the room and she completely gets her voice as the mother is completely gone and now possessed yeah she's possessed and her voice is that of the baba duke and she's demanding samuel let me in no she breaks into the room and gains on samuel and even in the walking pattern of the baba duke and says to him you don't know how many times i wished it was you not him that died sometimes i want to slam your head into a brick wall until your brains fall out samuel screams that you're not my mother. Begins attacking her with weapons. <laughs> Go. This little kid, really, you don't like him in the beginning. He's annoying. But by the end, you were like, let's go. Smart kid. Redemption arc. He's let's seen the Goonies go. and Home Alone. He knows how to equip himself. Yeah. So he runs away from her. And as she's chasing him, there's a knock at the door. It's revealed to be their beautifully sweet neighbor, Mrs. Roach. I was so concerned for her in so this concerned. moment. <laughs> Uh, She's there just to make sure that um, everyone's okay. She says, I know this time of year is terribly hard on you, and I know you don't want me to go on about it, so I won't. I just want you to know that I'd do anything for you and Samuel. I love you both. I was fooled into thinking that, like, receiving some love from someone would, like, do something for this situation. (laughs) However... It is very bleak for no. much longer. We also, as the audience, we think that for a moment, like, because she comes back, it's like, I'm sorry, Samuel, I'm sick. Yeah. You know, and kind yeah, of resembles true. herself. Yeah. So I was on the same place with you. I was like, oh, maybe you just have to tell her you love her and she's fine. <laughs> oh. True love will break the spell. <laughs> no, no, she's got a vomit blood. <laughs> so she tells Samuel that she's sick and she tells him that she wants him to meet his dad. Uh-huh. <laughs> she says it's beautiful there and you'll be happy in that moment Samuel stabs Amelia says I'm sorry and runs into the basement <laughs> please don't ground me please don't take my Game Boy away so uh, Samuel has gone all home alone and the fucking basement is completely booby trapped as Amelia goes down there she's tripped and is knocked unconscious and when she wakes up she realizes that she's been restrained mm-hmm. 
in this moment, I'm also getting a ref to The Exorcist. Mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm. like restrained with these ropes and she's like foaming at the mouth and like jerking yeah, full everywhere. full on exorcism scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Samuel says, I know you don't love me. The Babadook won't let you, but I love you, mom. And I always will. Crying. He screams, you let it in. You have to get it out. And at this moment, Amelia gets her hands free and begins strangling Samuel. And instead of fighting back, he just kind of caresses her face. That's the part where I was like really, <laughs> really crying. That I was like, I like this whole time I was watching the movie at 11 a.m. this morning. I had like a nail file so I could like kind of distract myself. I need to be no less scared. Nails right now. <laughs> no, truly. They're so short. And I'm just like clutching the nail file, like looking up at my TV, just like crying. Like he loves her. This is so selfless. He's going to die. Yeah, because she's just holding him up to strangle him because she's lying on the ground and his little arms can barely like hang down and touch her face. Uh, In that moment, she puts him down, gets up and like wretches this vile black liquid. Terrifying. In very Jennifer's body style, my dad. That's true. A reference. A reference. We love the references. (laughs) So all is assumed well and they go back upstairs like idiots and horror movies be doing this. They make you think for a moment that it's over. Samuel tells Amelia, you can't get rid of the Babadook. And is like flung upstairs by like an unseen force into one of the bedrooms. Amelia runs upstairs uh, to protect Samuel. She screams, what do you want? The room is like, there's a darkness on one side. She's screaming into it. What do you want? And it also feels like a reference. Sorry, you guys. But it feels like a reference to me from I Know What You Did Last Summer, where Jennifer Love Hewitt is in the forest and they're all getting, you know, it's a slasher film, so people are dying. And she says to absolutely no one, she just screams, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And I don't know why this gave me that feeling <laughs> so definitively. Okay, wait, did we miss the moment where at some point, I can't believe this has got, maybe it hasn't happened yet. If it hasn't, we're going to erase this. Did we just skip over the part where this bitch yells at Samuel, I am your mother? That doesn't happen. That literally happens. What? Like, at, towards the end when she's, like, losing her shit, uh, he, like, says something to her. Maybe it's in the scene where he, like, knocks her down the first time and says, like, do you want to die? Something like that. But she literally screams, I am your mother. Do we have, like, a, something in our contract that, me, that, like, we have to cover movies where a woman says, I am your mother? Yeah. I didn't even I clock it because people say it that often, I guess. We should change the podcast to being called I am your mother <laughs> pod. <laughs> Call me mother. <laughs> okay, no, I didn't even clock that. Wow, that, that's... I I guess I'm a broken record here, and I love movies where a character says I'm your mother. Eventually, we'll not do a movie with mommy issues in it. Eventually. We'll see. I'm not making any promises. <laughs> um, so in this moment, Oscar steps out of the shadows, and he's saying the last words he ever spoke. So like while Amelia was in the car going into labor he's like deep breaths all this stuff Mm. and then his head falls off like in a flash i was just gonna say is that how he dies i guess yeah i think that's how we're like in real life yeah his like face gets cut also is giving ghost ship yeah Yeah. you know where they're like the people just like fall in half (laughs) not a spoiler to ghost ship that happens in the first 20 seconds (laughs) (laughs) um so Amelia screams, you are nothing. You are nothing. This is my house. You are trespassing in my house. Crying. And we see the Duke with arms stretched, like roll forward because he doesn't really walk. 
and the house is like falling apart. It's like crumbling. And she screams, if you touch my son again, I will fucking kill you. Tell him. Get Tell him, him, bitch. The Babadook falls to the floor, kind of like a limp outfit. And <laughs> sorry, it's not a read. <laughs> Amelia approaches it. And we see in this case from its perspective, through its eyes, that mm. it's being pulled into the basement. Mm. Um, yeah. And the badness is kind of over. Mm-hmm. We get a flash forward and we see that Samuel is celebrating his birthday on his actual birthday. And Amelia, for the first time, talks about Oscar's death in a way that seems natural and comfortable and isn't difficult for her to do. In the garden, Samuel is gathering worms. Amelia takes them to the basement, and she offers the worms to the darkness. And at first, the darkness is very angry, but she eventually soothes it, and it eventually takes the worms. Movie's over. I cried at that part, too. Yeah. It's like, you know that she has to tend to this wound, this, like part of herself whatever it may be this darkness for the rest of her life and that's just part of her existence now which that's how it is if you go through a trauma like that it's not like all right check i recovered from that trauma it's like no that's that's just going to be with you forever you just maybe get better at figuring out what it needs to be calm yeah it doesn't disappear jennifer kent said that um american distributors were willing to help her raise the budget of the film on the condition that the Babadook died at the end, but Kent believed that the Babadook represents Amelia's trauma and mental illness, which stick with people for their lives. She said she didn't want to give the impression that something like that could simply be killed and life will just return to normal. And so the film was actually further financed through like crowdfunding and like Kickstarter. Wow. Mm -hmm. Incredible. No, that's definitely the right choice to make in that case. I just wanted to talk about the very ending of the movie. Uh, Do you guys remember? So after... You know, she goes back up and it's like they're celebrating uh, Samuel. What's his name? Samuel's birthday. He does a little magic trick for her. Right. You guys remember that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on? Uh, Tell me. What so, is it? So I really, the way I was reading it is like, there's a scene earlier where Samuel's like watching a DVD about magic and the guy's like, I don't remember the line, but he says something to the effect of nothing is as it seems. And then in, in this scene, he's doing the same thing. And he shows her a magic trick. It's like he makes the coin appear somewhere else. And she's like, wow, that's really great. She starts to clap. He's like, I'm not finished. And then he does like an actual magic trick. Like there's no way this kid could make um, a dove appear. This coin turn into a dove. And I'm guessing for me, like that's the director or the writer saying like, there's not really a Baba Duke monster. This is nothing is as it seems. This is a representation yeah. of like, this is our magic trick of making an interesting like trick in your eyes to appreciate and then like it has a deeper meaning to it. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that <laughs> the Baba Duke is still present and this is her dream and she's in a straight jacket and a mental ward. <laughs> it, was all, it was all a dream. <laughs> that would have killed me. I would have literally died of that. No, but you're right. Like this movie just goes all in. It's almost two movies interwoven together. There's like the sad drama about the woman whose like trauma is bleeding out into a relationship with her son. And then there's the fucking horrifying monster movie. And they are just like shot for shot next to each other. And Jennifer just like leaned into both. And that's what makes it such a noteworthy movie. It's beautiful. It's horrifying. <laughs> it's horrifyingly beautiful, folks. <laughs> it's horrifyingly beautiful. You heard it here. Okay, with a budget of $2 million, it went on to gross $10.5 million at the box office. A critical success, the film holds an approval rating of 98% on Rotten Tomatoes and was one of the best-reviewed films of 2014. 
dare I say instant classic? Absolutely instant classic. It was better received in America than it was in Australia. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the director of The Exorcist, when speaking of this film, said, I've never seen a more terrifying film than The Babadook. Wow. Right? High praise. Hey. Not afraid to reference. Not, not reference. reference. Put it in a blender. blender eat it. it. Vomit it. <laughs> Lady Gaga is the Babadook. Yes. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> director Jennifer Ken actually, she has the rights to the film outright with the express intention of there never being a sequel. Good. <laughs> well, oh, I would watch it, but I, I, I support her in that. Man, uh, this director really stood her ground with this film. Mm-hmm. She said, no, America, I will not kill the Babadook. Yes, America, he is gay. <laughs> Wait, did she? No, just kidding. <laughs> when she came out, I was like, fine, he's gay. Like J.K. Rowling uh, yeah, being like, like Dumbledore's gay. gay. Shut the up jk rowling and i that uh so a lot of people chiming in on the internet on whether or not the babadook is gay if i do anything <laughs> it's stan characters being gay one person <laughs> said if there's anything that the queer babadook has shown us it's that it's always possible to persevere through adversity even if it means living in the basement for a while and eating worms gay spaghetti i want to show you something lizzie all right this is a meme the top part is text the bottom part is the Babadook in full drag on RuPaul's Drag Race. RuPaul, Babadook, your performance had us, well, Baba shook. And tonight on the runway, you're serving us a killer Baba look. Congratulations, my dear. You've won this week's challenge. <laughs> if you don't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? Can I get a duke, duke, duke? <laughs> <laughs> This is so wrong. I'm putting this meme in the show notes so y'all can see. This is dirty. All right, Lizzie, I've subjected you to enough. Are you ready to squaw? Okay, I'm going to try out my Australian accent for this one. Sire, how the score works is every week we mark each movie on a scale of 1 to 10 on how gay is it and how good is it. We then average those scores to get a single subtextual score number. I didn't know we had Steve Irwin on the pod today. <laughs> Crocodile Dundee at your service. Hey, okay, Lizzie, how good is this movie? This movie is really good. Oh my god. It's hard it's hard to rate movies that are good but that I never really want to watch again. <laughs> um I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. All right. I'm gonna give this movie a eight. Okay, Lizzie, how gay is this movie? I knew. God, I've had weeks to think about this. (laughs) You know, I can only call a queer icon how I see it. And there's actual crowd evidence to support this claim. I'll give it a four. That's that's... One for each duck and then a a bonus for luck. Um, Canonically, not gay at all. (laughs) Culturally, significant. Hmm. I'm going to give this... A three and a half. Okay. Which brings us to an overall score of 5.75. Not the best score, but... Hey, that doesn't mean anything. Who gives a shit what we think about this film? That's... that's. <laughs> it's a good movie, just just not the gayest. Yeah. I wanted to see if it did better than The Haunting. Yeah, yeah. It's... The Haunting had like a negative four. No, it had like a two, right? Yeah, a film with a canonically queer character. It still did better than, so... There you go. It can be done. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Lizzie. Don't you dare ask me what I learned this week. What have you learned? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I have learned 
I need to like step my pussy up. I need to, I need to become strong. I need to become smart. I need to be able to watch scary movies on my own at night. I thought you were going to say, I need to start crafting homemade weapons to fight the monster in my basement. I've been there, done that. (laughs) We'll get you there. Because you guys, you're in for such a treat. This month is going to be banger after banger after banger of spooky films. So get your autumnal beer, (laughs) put on your cardigan, and put your fucking TV on, and let's watch some scary movies. Let's do it. Let's go. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to keep this content ad-free, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash subtextualpod. See you next week.